0: I'm sharing a message this morning called Sleeping with the Enemy. Some of you may remember the movie Sleeping with the Enemy. And I just kind of liked that title. In fact, the subtitle is Awakening to My Surroundings. This whole message is about glocal. This whole message is about the people you spend time with. Pastor Eric and I were eating lunch together this week. And, and we, we walked out of there energized we walked out of there with vision and excitement but there are times when i have spent time with people and i have to be very careful that their spirit doesn't rub off on me there's about four or five key things you must understand about relationships yeah but pastor we're called to win the world yes we are but so many times in our process of trying to affect the world they affect they infect us you remember last week we had an alarm clock set up. You've not heard that message. The weather kept you away. You need to get that message. We talked about keeping our oil ready. We talked about the alarm clock. We talked about the ten virgins. We talked about what is causing us to fall asleep. Today I want to go into the relationship side of things. If you'll allow me, I'm going to pastor you more today than, than, than uh, maybe be, be the evangelist. Instead, I want to talk to you about things that will destroy you. Look what it says in Psalm 57, verse 6. It's our scripture for this whole series. It says, Awake my soul, awake the harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Look at Romans chapter 13, and again, we're reading this from the Message Bible because I love the way it sounds, but it says, Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and you doze off. Oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Do you feel that way? Man, I feel that way. You can't afford to waste a minute of time is what the Bible says right there. Must not squander these precious daylight hours and frivolity and indulgences and sleeping around and dissipation, and bickering, and grabbing everything in sight, get out of bed, get dressed, don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute, dress yourself in Christ, and be up and about, now I've told you, this whole series is not for your normal Christians, this is one of those series that will get on your nerves, this is one of those series that you might leave a service, kind of ticked off at me, and I'm okay with that, because it is my job, I love what what Jim Autry left on my uh, uh, cell phone on Monday, he left me a voice message, and he's such an encourager, but he said, he said, listen, keep preaching the things that make us mad. Because, folks, I'm not here, we're not a plastic surgery hospital. We're an emergency room. We're just not here to make you look pretty. We're here to show you, hey, you got some, ho- some stuff, some areas that need to be sewed up. You got some things that got to be fixed. Maybe some things that's got to be cut out of your life. I don't know about you, but I haven't arrived yet. And so what you've got to realize is I, I talked about um, the rude awakening and, and I talked about a sleep in the light last Sunday and, and now we're talking about sleeping with the enemy. And this whole message is about checking your friendships. One of our closest friends, Jeannie Mayo, Karen, Karen mentioned it, but, but she always says this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So write this down. I'm preaching and, you, and it's gonna, it even sounds a little awkward, but it's meant towards friendship. Uh, sleeping with the enemy who are you tied to who has influence in your life write this down number one changing your sphere of influence do you understand the greater the anointing you have the greater influence you have and i'm going to teach in just a moment about how people want what you have and so many times they'll try to take it from you I want to warn you, as God does a work in you, if people can't change you, they'll leave you. I want to warn you that when you walk in a room, it ought to change the very atmosphere of the place. You have something inside of you that is different. We are lightness. I've taught you all through this series. We are lightness. We are the light of God that invades the darkness. You need to understand, you should draw a reaction when you come up to someone. People should look at you and say, dude, what is different about you? What do you have in you that makes you like this? Why? Because you have the light of God in you. You expose everything that doesn't represent God. Now, I need to warn you because when you have that type of anointing in your life, most of the time, 90% of the time, the reaction you're going to get is not going to be good. You got to ask yourself, am I okay with being all alone? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. I love what it says in the Message Bible. It says, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. I love that. It says, when I go out, they should go. Wow. So that's what happens if you give your heart to Christ. When you walk in faith, it goes on to say, carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to, go to, to all this work for nothing. God says, you know what? You're my proof of all the work of the cross. Redemption of man. You are the proof for me of all the price that was paid. In fact, look at Matthew 5.14. It's our scripture for the summit. It says, you're a light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hidden that's the scripture God gave us when we started the summit and what you've got to understand is as I begin to move into this look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 therefore each one of you you know what put off the falsehood speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body in your anger do not sin Do do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold it says I'm supposed to be different God says, I have vision for you. I have favor for you. I've got promises for you. I've got power for you. We talked about that last week, keeping the lamp lit. Why? Because the enemy, what you've got to understand, the devil doesn't take the day off. His wickedness is increasing. He doesn't take a vacation. He's a terrorist. His goal is to take you out. He waits till you let your guard down. And this message is to remind you of who you are in Christ. A couple of years ago, I shared a message called, What's Your Sign? What do you represent? What is the t-shirt that you wear when you walk into the room? Look at First Peter chapter 5. It talks about, and again, I went to the amplified version on this one because it says be sober, be diligent in the NIV, but watch what it says in the amplified. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant, cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil. Listen, the person that sits next to you in the cubicle at work is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. The problem is, if the devil can get you to look at people and not at him, he's one. What does it go on to say? Be vigilant, cautious at all times. For that enemy, here's the devil. Roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in your faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christ throughout the world. You know what it says right there? It says, on some mornings when I'm going through something, there's a guy sitting in Colorado Springs going through the same thing there's a guy sitting in portland oregon doing the same thing in seattle washington going through the same thing in houston texas going through the same things in boston massachusetts Uh, in nigeria are you with me so in the ukraine are you with me so far in 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 former soviet union and do you understand god says you need to hold on because if you're being attacked you're a part of a pretty cool fellowship of the unashamed give god a praise offering amen Smith Wigglesworth who's one of my favorite people you, I'm reminded of and in fact I'm going to, to speak this summer at a church in San Francisco where he preached one time and he, he literally walked into the funeral of a good friend who had been dead for three days walks over to the casket in the middle of the funeral pulls the man out of the casket slams him up against the wall and says in the name of Jesus live the guy fell back down on the ground how I many of you know somebody probably had already called the police Walks back over. Gets ticked off. Smith Wigglesworth, the great healing uh, evangelist, leans over, picks him up, slams him against the wall. And Smith was a big man. He was a, he, was a, he was a plumber. Says, in the name of Jesus, live. Guy falls back down. Smith turns around, disgusted. Looks at him again. And as he's walking towards him, said, I said, in the name of Jesus, you have no power, death. In the name of Jesus, picks him up, slam against the, uh, him against the wall and says, Live. And the guy opened his eyes and said, Who's dead? True story. See, I'm talking about walking in that kind of authority. It's it's Dwayne Smith. Dwayne went to the doctor this week, glaucoma, pressure built up behind his eyes. They did test. What happened, Dwayne? Just say it out loud. It's all gone, right? He'd been fasting for a miracle. See, folks, I'm talking about living that kind of mindset. Living a mindset that, man, I changed my atmosphere. Atmosphere is not changing me. When I walk into a room, something should be different. But now let me just show you how that works. Look at First Samuel 16, verse 13. This is the story of David. So Bible says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. An evil spirit from the Lord. Everybody say evil spirit from God. That's what the Bible says. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Talking about Saul. Saul's attendants came to him. See an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He'll play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you and you'll feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking. And the Lord is with him. Verse 19, then Saul sent his messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. Verse 21, David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Everybody wants what you have. Number two, an evil spirit from God. Write that down. Because there's a lot of confusing statements in the Bible. Look at verse 23 again of 1 Samuel 16. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his heart and he would play, then relief would come to Saul, he'd feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Listen to me. There are so many confusing statements in the Bible, but this kind of messes with me. An evil spirit from God. Over and over it says an evil spirit from God. How could this be? This is mind-boggling. When you begin to understand how awesome and how holy god is how how incredible god is and that god could produce an evil spirit surely the bible's messed up surely when they were taking it and it's canonization and they were taking it and they were writing it surely they messed up because there's no way that an evil spirit could come from god should come from the devil right it's got to be an error well pastor you know there's some scriptures that when i get to heaven we'll figure out what they mean no the Bible is for here. When we get to heaven, He will be there, Word made flesh. So it's not one of those things, because I've heard people say, well, we'll just figure that one out when we get to heaven. No, you're supposed to figure it out here. This is your road map. Everybody say amen. See, I want you to understand that when the Bible says that an evil spirit came on Saul and it comes from God, it is not saying God is evil or that God is out there dispatching evil spirits. All right, evil one, you go over there. Good one, you go over here. That is not the way God works. Follow me. Number one, that evil spirits, they're a reality, aren't they? We have to deal with them. We know they were cast out of the heavenlies. We know that they fell to the earth. We know that they can't operate until they find someone to inhabit. We understand the whole scriptures on that. We also know, number two, evil spirits cannot go where they want to go without permission. Follow me. What the scripture is simply saying is this. That God is in complete control and that evil spirit could not come against Saul without God's permission. Right? Remember Job chapter 1? God's having a staff meeting. Oldest book of the Bible, Job. All of a sudden, the devil walks up. God says, what have you been doing? Well, I've been roaming to and fro, looking for somebody to mess with. Look what it says in God's word right there in Job chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? How many of you know Job probably appreciated God recommending him for this job? Because if I'd have been Job, and I'd be like, Psst, hey, you ain't got to do this, man. Look what the Bible says. There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Verse 10, have you put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You bless the work of his hands so that his flock and his herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Folks, listen. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is yours. He has, he has uh, in your hands, but on the man himself, don't lay a finger. And Satan went out of the presence of the Lord. Listen to me, what you have to understand. When that spirit went forth and then attacked Job and attacked his family, and within a matter of minutes, he lost his children. He lost his herds. He lost his flock. He lost everything because God allowed the spirit to attack Job with limitations he said don't get in him if you ever read about Job in chapter 40 I believe it says his bones were made of iron and glass that the enemy couldn't have that but what you've got to understand this bothers me that God would allow a spirit to attack Job I've often thought about that well Lord are you allowing something to attack me no you're not following the very preface of this entire scripture what God is saying it's not about the attack it's about whether or not you can handle the attack it's about whether or not you can be trusted to be tested when Jesus Jesus got into the boat and went into the storm. He only took the ones with him that he trusted, leaving everyone else behind. The disciples got in the boat and a furious storm came up, the Bible says. See, what you've got to realize is so there's nothing wrong with being tested as long as you do your homework. I don't know, do you remember what it was like, man? When I was in college, I'd get to class and I was just lucky to put shoes on. And I'd go walking in at that 7 30 class and they'd go, all right, we got a quiz today. I'd look around the room. Usually everybody else had their pen and paper ready. And I'm like, did I just miss this? Have I been living in some alternate universe? Folks, here's what you got to understand. What God is saying is I allow the attack to come against you because I trust you. But it's going to be your job to do the little things to prepare your life to handle the attacks. When that same evil spirit came against, when it came against Job, Job made it. When that same evil spirit came against Saul, Saul couldn't handle it because it's all about what you're made of. It's all about what you've been doing in private. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He'll keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. Let me explain it to you like this. What do you mean? You're no greater than what you're made of. The same sun that can melt the wax can also harden the clay. It really just depends on what you're made of. So when that devil spirit came against Saul because Saul had some things in his life because Saul had the wrong spirit in him because he was grievous and angry towards God because he was seeking out the wrong answers because he was full of pride. When that spirit came, he couldn't fight it. So they had to send for somebody else. What do you mean? Folks, some of you need to cut the cord. If every time all hell breaks loose in your life, you have to call me or you have to call somebody else, something is wrong. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. This is that angry part I talked to you about earlier. This is that email part. What I'm saying to you is, when all hell breaks loose against you, You don't have to call somebody else. You don't have to get somebody else's help. You have a Savior that will reach down and touch you. And if you're always calling somebody else... Now there's the other side of it. There's people in this room that won't call anybody and you're fighting on your own and you begin to feel isolated. And the best way to attack a flock and, and get a meal if you're a lion is to isolate one of the smallest, the baby. If you can get that baby and they'll do that. The, uh, hyenas and lions will surround the baby and get them isolated from everybody else and then they can tear him to pieces. The best way to keep a flock together is keep everybody together. So if you come in here, you're not just taking out him. You're going to have to take out all of us. Are you with me? So far, so the other side of it is don't isolate yourself, but at the same time, there are moments when you need to learn to fight on your own, not have to call somebody all the time. Where you begin to say, Okay, you know what? I'm tired of this getting me every time. Why? But you have to be careful. This write this down. Number three: renting space from the devil. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm preaching about sleeping with the enemy. Watch what happens to david verse 2 says from that day forward saul kept david with him and did not let him return to his father's house and jonathan made a covenant with david because he loved him as himself jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to david along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt whatever saul sent him to do david did it so successfully that saul gave him a high rank in the army this pleased all the people and saul's officers as well remember he's already killed goliath verse 6 when the men were returning home from after david had killed the philistine the women came out from all the towns of israel to meet king saul was singing and they sang saul has slain his thousands and david his ten thousands can i stop right there and give you a little moment angry people and saul had an anger and pride problem angry people are really good at making you feel guilty for their anger abusive angry people are very good at making everyone else live up to their impossible expectations that they cannot find in their own mirror. Are you with me so far? Okay, we're just going a little deep today, watch. As they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, as David has ten thousand. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with ten thousands, he thought. But me only with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Verse 9, insecurity will divide everything and from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall but David eluded him twice, follow me they go get David, they bring him out of the field he's already a champion, he's already chopped the head of Goliath off all of a sudden, they go get him. They bring him into the house. He's anointed to be king. Saul just doesn't know it. He's a worshiper. He invades the darkness of a very of a king that God already dismissed back in chapter 13 and said, I'm done with you. So here we are five chapters later, and God's done with Saul. David is moving into the house because they go get him and because he's so pleased, Saul's so pleased with David's harp playing ability that all of a sudden he says, move from your father's home into my house. David used to visit Saul and play his harp and run the demons away because David had purity in him. But now something happened to him. All of a sudden he moves into the house. He was anointed from from being with God. He had played the evil spirits. He tormented them with worship. How many of you understand the devil hates worship? why because authority comes with worship we know that the devil was in charge of worship in heaven read ezekiel 28 he was made of precious stones we know that when we get to heaven in revelation 21 the very stones that adorned the devil the head worship leader who was full of pride we will get to walk on when we get to heaven that's what the streets of heaven are made of in other words god says you're going to walk on the devil but the devil hates worshipers because they took his place he used to be in charge of worship everybody still with me right So when David began to worship God, he didn't have a title. He didn't have a robe. All God ever gave him was natural abilities. He killed a giant with a rag and a rock. But when you're a worshiper, God makes things happen for you that don't happen for other people. When you're a worshiper, God opens doors that others would never have opened. You know why you worship? Listen, you may not even know why sometimes you wake up with a song in your heart. You're walking through the house, and you have no idea. I can't quit singing that song. When I speak your name, mountains move. You're singing it, and all day long, and you're like, man, that song is just stuck in my head. And you don't even understand. God's got you singing it because of what is waiting to attack you. Are you still with me so far? You don't understand. When you begin to worship, the enemy runs for cover you don't understand they're being tormented you're walking through the house you like singing you know ladies you're cleaning the house and you're singing this song and it's, it's cleaning day and to keep from backsliding at the way your children leave their bedroom you're singing and so And your husband. And so you're walking through the house and you're cleaning. And you don't understand that when you're walking into that teenager's bedroom with that song in your heart, demons are diving out windows. Seductive, lust spirits that are trying to attack that boy or girl's mind are diving. Because when you walk in, you're carrying the light. Are you with me so far? God likes worshipers. I've often said this, the melody of the righteous torments the creatures of darkness. What did John chapter 4 say he's coming back for those who worship me in spirit and truth so here's david the demons would hear him and because where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty as the praises go up the glory comes down the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage i will bless the lord at all times see folks here's what you got to understand some of you love to fight the devil can i give you a word don't box with the devil the best thing you could ever do is just throw your hands up and worship because that's the only way you're going to beat him so here's David. He'd come in and start playing and the demons would have to flee. When's the last time you worshiped so hard your problem had to leave? When's the last time you got so lost in his presence? David didn't have the sword or, the, or the, 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 all the armor. All he had was a rag and a rock. He was just a worshiper. Write this down. Man, give me some of that anointing. You like the way I wrote that? Give me some of that anointing. I didn't put anointing. I put anointing. (laughs) Because I have had people say that to me. Man, just, just, just lay hands on me. Give me some of that anointing. But you have to understand. Follow me for a second. I'm talking to some people that God wants to use. When he killed the giant, Saul. Or excuse me, when he killed the giant, Saul said, who is he? They said, that's Jesse's boy. Saul said, go get him. And let him come and live with me. And from that day forward, Saul let him go home no more. Look at 1 Samuel 18, 2. It says, from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Look at verse 10. Something happened between verse 2 and between verse 10 because it goes on to say that Saul tried to kill him. You're not following what I'm saying because some of you don't understand relationships. Just because you're called to influence the world does not mean you're called to move in with the world. Here's David. He's anointed. He's got God's touch on him. He's going to lead Israel. He would be anointed king three times. Not just of Judah, but of Israel. God would raise him up. He would be great. But something happened to him. When he moved into the house, he began to sleep with the enemy. You need to understand sleep represents weariness and tiredness and getting rest and getting comfortable. Enemy represents danger. The reason why I call this message sleeping with the enemy is because there's something wrong when you have to be on guard in the very place you should be able to rest. It's frightening when the tiredness of life so comes on you, the weariness, that you suddenly lose guard of humanism and lose guard of a mentality of paganism or of obedience in God's standards because you're weary and you just don't want to make waves can I encourage you on this you are called to change your atmosphere not join it something happened he was an awesome warrior he used to run the demons off he used to play his harp and the demons would leave What happened? Same boy, same anointing, same giant killer, same mantle. Now all of a sudden, he sits down. Well, there's those demons again. There's Saul foaming at the mouth. He's just you know doing his thing, and David goes, "Give me my harp. Come on, psycho man's going nuts over here." Starts playing his harp. Saul didn't change. What do you mean? We gotta play faster. Devil went down to Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> looking for a soul to keep. <laughs> Live up here. And Saul picks up a spear and tries to kill him. David's number one problem wasn't it that, that he had moved in with the enemy. David was looking for the wrong father figures. That's another whole message. David's playing. And all of a sudden, the spirit comes by him. He's like, I better play faster. The spirit comes by him again. What happened to him? Same anointing, but he lost authority when he moved into the house. God never told him to move into the house God told him to go into that place Invade the darkness and get out of there When Saul sent word to David's father And said I'm keeping your boy with me At that moment he said give me some of that Anointing at that moment he wasn't the Same anymore listen to what I'm talking About David loved being in the Presence of God he would write in Psalms 51 Cast me not away from your presence O Lord Because he understood what it was like to be uh, Left out he understood what it was like to be Abandoned and suddenly he's sitting there And he couldn't play those demons away like he did before why because he didn't have the power he did before why because he was sleeping with the enemy he had moved into the house he had become a part of the furniture he had become a part of the surroundings i want to warn you in this place of going into your office and forgetting who you are going into your school and forgetting who you are and suddenly becoming a part of the very thing you went to fight how'd this happen huh how'd it happen Luke 6, 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Does Christ, I love this, is that unequally yoked scripture that we don't really like, especially when we're teenagers? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? I love the Message Bible. Does he go stro- strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? Is that exactly what we are? Each of us, a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them and move into them. And I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't leak up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. Oh, pastor, you're telling me not to to touch the world and go into the darkness. Man, I am their only light they're going to see. That's fine as long as they're not winning you. As long as they're not throwing spears because you've lost your effect on them. You'll be my sons and daughters to me. The word of the master, God. Listen, you can't be laying down in situations where you should be sitting up. You can't be letting your guard up. You won't get the victory anymore. And some of you are called to change your, your sphere of influence. You're called to go into those places. But you've got to ask yourself, am I still changing the atmosphere? Or are they winning? If I go home from hanging out with a buddy and I treat my wife wrong from hanging out with him, I probably don't need to hang out with him anymore. If I think of my husband as just my old man because of the women at work talk about their husbands like they're dogs and then I come home and I look at my husband like he's just some chauvinist pig and I talk down to him because of who I'm around. Something is wrong. Make a stand. Look at those ladies and say, that's my man you're talking about. And he he may not be perfect. Oh dear God. But God's doing a work in him. And you look at them and go, that's my wife. I'm not telling you stories men about my wife. That's my woman. That's my lady. I will protect her is a precious jewel in the crown of man are you getting this so far someone that god has raised up she's my holies oh somebody get excited i think we grow up and we still lie to our parents i I can go the party they're not gonna win come on mom and dad god says are you being careful Matthew, i got to hurry. Matthew 25, 26. But while everyone was sleeping, I preached it to you last week. The enemy came and sowed stuff in your field. What does the Bible say? Wake up. Galatians uh, uh, six twelve. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you may be tempted. The Bible says be careful who you're pouring your life into. The Bible says watch out. They'll change you. I think some of us are really good at being chameleons. You know those lizards? We just kind of fit in. 1 Corinthians fifteen don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as, you, as you ought and stop sinning. Well, Pastor, this sounds like we're not to love the world. I preach every week about loving the world. But it doesn't mean I'm going to start hanging out. It doesn't mean I got to go sit at a bar and get drunk with somebody to influence them. I'm called to be different whether I like it or not. And that is a heavy burden for all of us. But be careful. Be careful who you lay down with. Be careful when you get tired. Be careful where you get a sleeping spirit. Don't go to sleep or get tired where the devil is fighting you. He's going to take you out. What do you mean? James 4, 7 says, Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What do you mean, pastor? The devil can't plant his seed when 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 you're awake. You're watching for him. I'll get ready to close. Guard against the Samson syndrome. What do you mean? Lying in the lap of compromise will make you sleepy. Remember Samson? The judge. God raised him up. Killed 10,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. While he was awake. They tried to tie him up cords couldn't hold him they melted in his hand while he was awake so they called a lady named Delilah you know what her name means languish loiter temptress here's this great judge that was going to set all of Israel free but he became imprisoned verse 16 verse 6 so, so, so Delilah how many of you know Samson was a he man with a she man problem so Delilah said to Samson tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued she laid his head on her lap and she began to rock him to sleep and said relax the enemy wants you to relax look what they're doing look at your neighbors they're being blessed and they're not making the stand you're making just relax come on you're too intense you're taking this Jesus thing a little too far as he began to sleep, get sleepy, she said, Tell me what makes you strong. He didn't tell her at first. <laughs> he kept playing with her. But she kept taking him to her lap. He'd wake up, shake himself, beat the tar out of the Philistines. Some of you need to know what I'm talking about. You've had close calls. Shake yourself. I can't, no, no, no I can't do that. No need to look at that. I love a great quote I got the other day. One of the trusted. Very test of integrity is to, the blunt refusal to ever be compromised. George Washington used to say, keep a flame in that chest of yours, the little light called the conscience. strength was his covenant. He was a Nazarite. Couldn't drink wine. Couldn't get his hair cut. And finally he gets so tired he goes, my strength's in my hair. Lila opened her barbershop. She didn't try to cut his hair while he was awake. She waited until he put to sleep. Verse 16, this great judge, the Bible says in verse 15, then said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? <laughs> she wants to kill him. Huh? Isn't this cool? I want to kill you, but you, you don't really love me. This third time you made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. The boy's stupid. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. And, she told, and he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart by God since birth. My head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. There's a scripture in there that says, And he knew not that God's spirit had departed. Stand up, stand up. I don't know if this word made sense this morning. Okay, we can't get it here, Pastor. Are you telling me not to have friends with the world? There's men that I would eat with every Friday morning of this year during football season, dads of football players. Man, they would say things and, oh, I'd cringe and I'd want to just go off on them. I'd hear some things. God put me there. One particular dad of a ball player came up to me a couple weeks ago, didn't he, Karen? And he goes, Please tell me that we're still friends even after our boys graduate. He's not a believer. But I don't let him win me. There's times where I leave meetings and I go, Okay wash off. I don't want that on me. Dealing with the city, when we were looking at that other building, man, I'd come out of meetings and I'd just go, okay, wash off, Pat. Don't take on that stuff. See, some of you have never been taught how to choose your friends. There's difference in acquaintances and friends. When I begin to see someone influencing my life the wrong way, or I see that I've come home and and, 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 and Karen has confronted me over the years she'll go you know what you don't need to hang out with him because you're becoming like him And I'm like wow boy that hurts but she'd be right see some of you need to learn how to choose your friends let me give you ten ways choose friends that breathe, that breathe life into your spirit what does Proverbs 17, 17 say it says friends love through all kinds of weather A brother's born for adversity. I talked to my brother a few minutes ago. Outside the door. We talked to each other on Sunday morning. And just talking about what God was going to do today in our lives. So number two. Right. You know. Just remember it. Choose friends that honor your boundaries. Number three. Choose friends that understand you have a destiny. Number four. Choose friends that dream for your future. We've walked through this the last couple weeks with our son. Because all his buddies are going to play ball at. Different schools, they want to do it together. And I'm like, son, you got to choose your own future. Now, number five, choose friends that refuse to harm you. What did Jesus say? He said, I don't call you servant. I call you friend. Choose friends that push you towards God. Choose friends that will confront you. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's why we call our, our, our men's ministry Iron Man. I want guys in my life that will confront me. I sat on the phone two days ago with Glenn for two hours, two hours in my driveway while Karen was cleaning the house. We don't need to go there. We already dealt with that. But my friend was able to confront some things in my life, help me walk through some things. Keithy was able to pull some things out of me. Choose friends that will encourage you. Choose friends that don't wear you out or exhaust you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a a good return for their work. If one falls down, help him up. Pity the guy that nobody helps up. The number 10, choose friends that are secure in Christ. Now, why, why did I teach on this today? Because God spoke to me at the beginning of this week and said, son... There's people that I have been wanting to use. And every time I get ready to use them, they have friendships in their life that are shipwrecking their destiny. I'm not talking about you go to work tomorrow and go, I ain't, no, no, we ain't talking no more. No, hey, you're going to hell. No. No. But you need to maybe put, put up a little barrier there. Say, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. Let's reach over the fence. It's tool time. Okay? Let's reach over the fence. Because you're getting a little too much property action going on here. And I got to get my authority and my fire back. I got to protect. I got to awaken. The alarm's going to go off. I got to awaken my life to what God has for me. I can tell you that I know what it's like to bury a city alright summit raise your hands and cry out to God lift your hands and cry out to God lift your hands and cry out to God the alarm is going off God is calling people to separate themselves He says I'm coming with a sword to separate preached on it last week he's going to separate the wheat from the tares with your hands raised across this house if you say you know what i've got a man i got a man i got i'm I'm letting people influence my anointing i'm letting people change my anointing i'm letting people doesn't mean i abandon the world but i cannot be like the world anymore with your hands raised would you begin to cry out to god and say this out loud jesus Say, Jesus, been lonely. I need you to be my friend. Because you're asking me to make a stand. Jesus, this is going to be hard. Now look at me for a second. The Bible says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible tells me that he'll never, Hebrews says, Randy, he says, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. The greatest times I've grown is when I've drawn a line in the sand with people, isn't it? And you and I have separated ourselves from people. We've grown more in our marriage. Now, God's never, listen to me, ever, listen to me, told me to separate myself from my wife. So don't walk out of this sermon with that. I wasn't preaching about marriages today. I don't care how bad your marriage is, you fight, you fight, you hang in there. God does not hate divorced people, but he does hate divorce. I believe that. There's covenant. But what you have to understand is God is calling people to get things out of their life. Because maybe, maybe, and you know what I've learned? Rejection is not rejection. Most of the time it's protection. If God sometimes goes, somebody goes, I don't want to be your friend no more. That's not rejection, that's protection. But what you have to understand is, you have to ask yourself, is there stuff in my life that's drawing the wrong crowds around me? Drawing the wrong things. Do I have a gossip spirit that invites those kind of people in? Do I have the things that are harming, <clears throat> harming the anointing of my life? Shut your eyes one more time. How many of you say, Pastor, I have sin in my life. I have things in my life that is... Causing the wrong spirits Drawing the wrong people I need to make sure I get those things out of my life Because I don't want to destroy anybody else's future Much less my own You say, Pastor, I've got sin in my life today And it's causing me to not be able to see straight I need God to remove the blinders I need God to be my best friend I need God to forgive me Raise your hand right now Yeah, there's hands that are going up There's hands that are going up Come on, come on Come on put your hands down Last Sunday morning I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit Why you got to pray in the spirit Why you got to go after God But here's what I'm asking you to do right now Everyone in the house raise both hands in the air And say this out loud Say Jesus I'm so sorry For the things in my life That have led others astray That have drawn the wrong people to me Clean that out of me Convict me Guard my tongue Guard my eyes I don't want to lose everything like Samson who for 20 years grinded away for the enemy. Say, Jesus, restore my eyesight. Restore my covenant. Today, I'm waking up to my surroundings. I will not sleep with the enemy. Be my Lord. Be my master. Now both hands in the air say, be my best friend. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? Isn't it good? Isn't it good? Some of you need to come down and cry out to God. Some of you need to come down and spend time with the Lord this morning. Some of you need to guard what you're doing. This is the day that we wake up to our surroundings. Don't abandon the world. Just don't become like the world. Today is your day to go deeper in God. Are you ready? You ready? Give the Lord a praise offering.